I just like to say that's how do you steward your influence? So everybody has influence, one, two, four people. If you don't take care of the four that you have right now, you will never have 40. Well, guys, coming into you today from one of my favorite coffee shops here in Colorado, Loyal Coffee, and we've got Tyler Regan here with me. You can hear the music in the background. It's, it's, a, it's a party. It's a party. <laughs> All right, we're gonna grab some lunch after this. Um, Tyler, you do a lot of stuff, um, but have been on this life-giving track right yeah. now. I got the book. We're gonna talk about that today. Life-giving company. Give us just a snapshot of, of what the last five or ten years have looked like for you. Uh, really, it's been a, man, what a journey. I, I've, I fell in love with leadership uh, well over 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I'd say where it became clear that it was a part of what, what the long-term play was for my calling and my life was when I worked for North Point Community Church with Andy Stanley. I, <clears throat> I helped start two campuses, so I worked with him for over a decade um, as a service programming director, and so I spent a lot of time on how do you create great experiences? What does that look like? And producing events. And so. And they would, do that so well. Yeah. And I would produce the big uh, church leadership conference drive every year. And then um, Catalyst reached out um, about a decade ago now and was like, hey, we're looking for a producer. Um, you know, it's a contract job. Would you? And I was like, well, we can try it. I was like, I got a full time job. So, <laughs> you know, and it was to produce the three big events at the time it was West Coast, Dallas, and Atlanta. And, but at that last season at the church, I just, I, mean, I had a coach and she, she coached most of the executives at North Point and she really, being a female who had really broken into the coaching C-suite leaders, you know, she was a legend in that space. Her name's Fran Lamatina. Hmm. And um, just watching her, I remember sitting in a meeting one day and it was, she was coaching my team, doing a right path assessment and we were going through this thing and it just popped in my head and I was like, I think I could do what she's doing. I could not, do that. not in a negative way of like, yeah, I could do it better or nothing like that. It was just, I really love this. Like and that's a thing. I didn't know that yeah, was a job. That's a thing. I remember when somebody, the first time somebody talked about coaching. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? Right. I'm like, Actually, I think I am that. Right. Like you could get paid. I'm for doing that. that. There's no way you right. can get paid. But right. I thought coaching was just sports. So yeah. I had a similar experience, man. Yeah. And I just, uh, I just, I have um, always had somewhat of a um, natural EQ, but I've had to work to grow that and understand what it is and all that sort of thing. But um, I've usually been a pretty natural leader. Like there's, you know, gathering people and leading them and Woo's my number one on Strength Finders. So, you know, um, it's not hard for me to kind of rally a group. Mm -hmm. and, and so- you're a connector. So I'm definitely probably a connector. excites you to meet with those yeah. kind of leaders, yeah. Um, so anyway, so then um, kind of fell in love with us. North Point was actually helping me get um, my coaching certificate and just kind of working towards that. And then I got open these doors at Catalyst, and so I started, um, I started um, producing the three big events as a part-time contractor. And just, I remember that after the very first one was West Coast, this was about 10 years ago, and almost 11, and my wife, I came home and she goes, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like you're gonna be involved with Catalyst for, for a, a foreseeable future. Hmm. And um, so I did that for about two years, and then Brad Lominick, who was my predecessor, invited me to come over full-time and produce Catalyst, be the major, uh, be the creative director basically, and then also develop the staff, do the coaching, doing the consulting, working with the team, the leadership development. And uh, so that was kind of a perfect scenario for me. Mm. Those are the two things I know I'm really good at and gifted at and, mm. and that I love doing. Um, and there was a conversation during that that he wanted to have somebody in place if he ever moved on. And so 
Um, about a year in, that, that transition happened and I took over and led it for the last six years or so. so but leadership and um, just the local church has a deep, deep place in my, my soul. So even now that I've made some changes recently, I still feel like my calling hasn't changed a bit, but mm. my assignment's changing some and so and I feel really similar yeah I think we're you know connected on that space yeah. that that there's sort of a dispersed congregation around the country right of leaders that maybe don't have too many people in their corner they can yeah. have the kind of conversations that you and I can so yeah. I absolutely identify yeah and it brings the credit you, you bring credibility because you've done it and you've walked through it and you're you're maybe a season ahead or at the same season but you've thought through it differently and yep. you know what questions to ask and you sure um, and because they know that you've given your life to this bigger enterprise, and now you're mm -hmm. saying, "No, I want to, yeah. I want to sit with you. Like, let's figure that out." Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't I'm, want anything or need anything no. from you. Which leaders? And if you're listening to this, if you don't have anyone in your life right. who doesn't need anything from you, heads up. Yeah. Right. Because then nobody's telling you the truth, asking the hard questions. We're just talking about that. Yep. Somebody in our life that's asking us hard questions. Yep. That's that's key. Well, and part of the challenge too, though, is, is most of us are waiting for that person to show up on mm. our front door. Right. They're not going to just walk no, into your life. Like the reason I'm in Colorado Springs right now is because I've been working with my friend Peb, who is a legend. And I mean, he's just in his side note to Peb, if you know <laughs> Peb uh, and hang out, he's a good cup of coffee. Yeah. This is he's he is a seventy mid seventies, and he has invested in guys like me his whole life. Well, I'm always going, Peb, when you got to win it, when you got a minute, when you got a minute. I'm not waiting on Peb to call me yeah, and say, right. hey, Tyler, yeah. I've got a day. I'd love for you to come. I plan that. Yeah. No. Right. Peb, when do you have a minute? And I literally flew from Atlanta to play nine holes with Peb, have dinner with Peb, have breakfast with Peb, and then I'll fly back home today. That's huge. But yep. that's an understanding of why I need it. Yep. And I know that that's I need right. guys who get what I do, but also care about me. Yep. who are going to ask me questions and go and then you know Pev and I spent a lot of time last night he was going talk about blind spots tell me yep. where you're at what are the holes you're struggling with but that doesn't happen if I'm sitting around waiting and hoping somebody's going to come That's fix right. me or you got to fight for it and I wonder to. how many high capacity leaders we think have that yeah. just don't have they anybody don't. asking them those soul deep questions sticking you know their finger in your chest or just yep. giving you a hug when you're struggling. Well, I think a lot of don't you think a lot of these churches they'll hire maybe a business consultant or a consultant that's helping them think through how to strategy and communication. Mm -hmm. They don't. They don't feel like they need because the difference between a consultant really and a coach is the coach is going to focus on you. Yep. That's the right. The consultant's focusing on a team on objective. The thing and yeah. Who are they working for? Yeah, and right? I, I definitely do both. Yeah. Depends on the scenario and what's needed. Well. Yep. But if, if a pastor of a decent sized church or even a small, I don't care the size of the church. If you don't have somebody who's focused on you as a person, you as a leader, you as a husband, you as a yep. whatever name, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. uh, yep. you know, I don't, I don't care what what the scenario is, like that's because if that little epicenter of life disappears, if that thing gets corrupted, the if whole that, rest falls apart. It's done. All of it. Yeah. We say health first, then impact. Yep. Roots, fruits. Yep. Workmanship works. I mean, it's all throughout Scripture, yep. and yet I think in the busyness, we think oh, I can get past that. Right. Um, and obviously we have to go, go back and do the work when yep. we miss it. Uh, I think too for a coach, I wonder an encouraging presence. I wonder how many people can actually celebrate wins with you. Yep. They don't feel like that big of a deal. Yep. But I think the other day I made, I made a small healthy decision in my life. Yep. And I was like, oh, that was good. Yep. And maybe that's a 1% course correct. I'm not going to go tweet that. I'm right. not going to go share that with too right. many people. 
But when you have someone in your life that says, what healthy decision have you made? Yep. Or how's your soul? Yep. Uh, and you say, you know what? <laughs> Not everything else is going great, yep. but I'll tell you what. I've been investing in my family on the weekends. I've been Sabbathing awesome. That's right. Keep it up. Because you know that's going to develop fruit. That's Health right. Health impact. you got to have it. I love it. We could talk hours on this. And, and we're going to grab some lunch afterwards. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we Maybe will. we shall. Um, I, I asked Brad this when Brad Lominick came on the podcast. Um, he talked about his Jim Collins interview. Is there somebody through those catalyst years you connected with that you were just really impressed by? Who was that and, and what was it in there? Gosh, there's a couple. Um, you know, a couple mentors from afar that I got to spend time with would be Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni. Mm. I mean, that's he's he's a legend in my eyes. Like yep. he's, he's a legend in real life, but like a lot of my leadership foundation is based on his books. And, and, and what impressed you when you were up close with him? His faith and his genuine, like he genuinely cares. I think what I love too, because I'm very wired like Pat, where I'm a little bit all over the place, like <laughs> focus I would not say is a strength, discipline is not necessarily, he's kind of all over the place too, but it always comes back to caring for the hearts of people hmm. and getting, and that's what I loved. Probably my, I remember before I wrote my first book, I always said that if, if I could write a leadership book that's currently out there, it would have been Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last, like mm. just the whole concept of it. Yep. And it was from a very, um, it's not from a faith-based perspective, it's just from a human perspective. Good. And so he's been with us a few times and, and one of the things that I was always proud of, I remember asking his assistant the last time he was with us, I said, does, does, does Simon do a lot of faith-based stuff? She goes, no, he doesn't do any, he does Catalyst. He's like, because you guys are the best and, and you've always taken care of us. Well, wow. that meant a lot to me, you know. Because yeah. um, yep. you've curated that space. It's that important. Happen it's, we want it to be world class. We want, yep. we want and, and Dan Pink um, is another guy who I've read a bunch of his books. And, yep. um, the way in which he cared for us as we talked even just about what we're trying to say and what we're, like it was not a stop on the tour. It was something that mattered to him. Even, he even, he even presented a talk that he'd never presented publicly because it was on a book that wasn't released yet. Well, they don't do that. Like that's, that's not, not canned stuff. Yeah, like you don't that. do that. Yeah. And one of the things he said was probably one of the highest compliments we'd ever been given. My, um, excuse me, our VP of events drove him on a golf cart to take him somewhere, and, and she said, "How's it going?" And he goes, "Well, this is." Um, he said, "I do this for a living. I speak at things like this." And he goes, "They either have one or two things. They either have a great vibe and no organization." or they have great organization and no vibe. Mm. He's a catalyst is one of, no, it's the best event I speak at. Wow. Well, that is from a quote unquote, maybe outsider perspective. Yep. Sure. Um, and that meant the world to me because a guy who's in the world-class space mm. comes to something we curate in the kingdom. Yep. And he sees it as world-class as anything that he's a part of, if not better. Wow. And so um, guys like that, um, you know, Brene Brown is just special. So um, good. And I've loved spending, getting to know her a little bit. Um, Bob Goff is a close friend, and uh, th that's what's neat for me. And you know, and again, there's there's some that go without saying. I worked with Andy for a decade, yep. really 20 years now with Catalyst. Mm -hmm. sure. Craig Rochelle is a super close friend. Lisa Turkers is one of the best leaders I know. And when I talk about these people, it's weird because I'm not trying to, I'm not name dropping. I'm mm -hmm. really not. These are these have become really yeah. close friends of mine. And you get to say they're the real deal because I've spent time with them. This yeah. isn't. I don't just spend time with them, introducing yep. them, walking off. Like Craig and I have spent many hours together. Lisa yep. and I have talked on the phone a million times, been in the same rooms together a million. We've walked through hard things together, talk, mm -hmm. catching up, because there's certain people that understand your world, yeah, that others don't. 
We so. need more of that, right? We need people like you to, to tell the, the stories. Yeah. Like it, it is one thing, one thing we say on this podcast and all the time in our coaching is it is possible to go the long haul in your leadership without losing your soul. That's right. And if all we hear are carnage stories, right. then we actually think I yeah. have to choose between right. leading at a high capacity uh, and life's and, stinking. Yeah, something falling <laughs> apart, right? right? Yeah, it stinketh. No, we we can actually do that. Right. Now, there's so many tensions yep. in that. We need those high-level conversations we're talking about. But thanks for kind of telling on those people because yeah. I think at a distance you could yeah, see this. I mean, Craig is one of those guys that the closer you get to him, the more you respect him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not a... That's, to me, one of the highest compliments you can mm-hmm. pay because they're definitely high-profile leaders that I've been around. That's not true. Yeah. And there's authors that have written leadership books and you go... Yeah. Exactly. Like, who wrote that? Because that doesn't, it's not you. Like, <laughs> yep. um, even when I wrote mine, I, my, my biggest fear was that my voice would not be in there. Yep. And I remember That's one right. of my best friends <clears throat> read one of the advanced reader copies, probably the first person to read that didn't have to, you know? Yeah, that, they, they, that, were, they weren't on the team making it happen. The naked feeling? Yeah, that, oh, it's oh. weird. And it's, you know, I started understanding what songwriters and artists feel when they present subject matter mm-hmm. to people to judge. And you start going, and mine's just not like it's not even that personal. Like it's it's personal, but it's not. And yep. this friend of mine, I said, "Hey, when you read it," and he goes, "No, I already read it." And I was like, "Okay, what did you think?" And he said, "I felt like I was sitting at the table with you, and you just talked to me about leadership." It's so funny that you say that because one of my deepest concerns was was inauthenticity right. or just the feeling that right. this feels like a stage. Yep. And I asked my editor, who I had not met for coffee yep. until far into the process. Right. Over coffee, is this what you were expecting? Right. And he said, exactly. And Great. I was like, okay, we're good. Great. If everybody else hates it, at least right. I'm being At least me, I'm right? myself. At least they don't like yep. me versus a stage version. Yeah, and the truth is they helped me make it better. Mm. But as long as it was me and it was conversational. And, you know, and again, I made a 420 on the SAT in English. So it wasn't like this was my path. <laughs> was writing was, sure. oh, I should just, whew, let's sure. go write. I thought what, you were talking 420. Like, I, I thought we were, I thought that was a weed reference. We're hearing no, Colorado. Yeah, different, oh, that's true. Sorry about that. There's a number. Okay, yeah. My bad. Love There's that. a number with that. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, but I know what is beautiful is that um, God brought some great people into my life who are better. And the best thing nowadays, like you spend your whole educational career learning how to write appropriately or write properly. You don't have to do that in a book. Right. Who can, says no, you can't I can write it how I want to write it. It's and I can beautiful. put but at the beginning of a sentence if I yep. want, you know. And in um, fact, today, that's what people want, right? Short, they want it to different. sound like you. Like yep. if we're sitting at a table, like half the time you read something, you go, I would never talk like that. Right. Um, I think it's a good day for writers yeah. and communicators because yeah. I think it is, okay, if that is you, bring that, bring right. that in here. Bring well, because of the emerging here. generation don't want anything but that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I was talking again with a friend this morning and he was saying, and he's is the friend I was mentioning earlier, but he's in an older generation. He said, I don't think, my, I don't think our generation gets that. Hmm. I think they were always kind of on versus sure. being themselves yeah impressive and, or yeah. pressed collared shirts and, and mm-hmm. that's just not what our generation yeah. i'm gen x and then you've got you know the millennial and the, the gen z's coming through that yep they smell inauthenticity a mile away that's right and i think they should yep. um because we're losing right. a lot of impact because we're afraid to be ourselves yeah it doesn't mean being stupid yep and saying everything that's mm-hmm. on your mind see that's the other big tension <laughs> is you got a lot of young leaders that think they're sure. not being authentic if they don't say everything in their mind and you're going, yep. no, that's what's called emotional intelligence right. and wisdom. Right. How, how do you find appropriate and authentic 
um, I say honest and honoring. Yeah. It's possible to do both, especially right. when we speak totally. of, we're standing on other people's shoulders. Yep. Whether they're 75 or 45, yep. um, whoever's listening, there's someone older that paved the way for yep. what we get to do. Yeah. And we can go destroy a lot of cred easily. Oh, like, Quickly. like I got it going on. Like I'm yep. the first one who's tried any of this risk. No, we get to take these risks because of the yep. moment we live in yep. and people who have pushed hard ground ahead of us. So yep. that honest honoring, that's a tension. Man. It's, it's, it's a tension to manage. All right, let's talk life-giving. Okay. Um, wrote a book, The Life-Giving Leader. Um, what is a life-giving leader? Sure. And then what's the exact opposite of that? So we, uh, we used to at our events, the, week of the, the Monday of the event week, we would pray as a team that, that, that God's grace and His life would flow from our stage and not be required for our stage. And so mm. we, wanted, we wanted to be so good at our craft. We wanted to curate the space so well. We wanted to steward these people's time and their resources so well that not one point did they feel like we were taking from them. Mm. That so everything... transactional would be the opposite of that versus Probably. Like relational? Yeah, well, uh, a lack of excellence, yep. um, attitude, posture, uh, rude, mm. um, insensitive just to be insensitive. Like if we were doing things poorly because it's our brother's sister who sings, but you know, she's yeah. my sister-in-law and so therefore, mm. you know, because I'm the boss, I, like, but she's not who should be up there. Um, it's putting speakers up there just because of their name, not because of what they're trying to say specifically mm. in line with who we are. So it's taking and you've, we've all been there. We've paid to go to something and it felt like, like we had to provide grace to the people that were supposed to be serving us yeah. in a sense, because we were paying to go be a part of something. Yeah. And I, it's just a posture. It's it's that mm. our job was not to serve or to be served. It was to serve. Yep. And that comes across when when you truly are fighting for a DNA that's serving the people that you've been entrusted with. They know that. And so the flow of life is correct. Mm. And it just started making me think about leadership, that the best leaders in the world, 98% of the time, that's that's the correct flow of life, that it's flowing from them to the people around them. And so, mm -hmm. but when we lead poorly, we have to take from the people that we're leading. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody listening to this right now can think of a leader that took more from them than they gave them. That's right. And so the idea is just, uh, and the big, the big phrase that kind of weaves throughout it is when life flows, influence grows. Mm -hmm. When you are a leader that is a conduit for life, and, and it's, it's especially for young leaders who are on social media going, yeah, but that 28-year-old already has this many people in their circle. Yep. Okay, well, here's the truth. Your leadership journey is simply defined as influence. John Maxwell defined it that way. A lot of people do, that leadership is influence. I just like to say that how do you steward your influence? So everybody has influence, one, two, four people. If you don't take care of the four that you have right now, you will never have 40. And then let's say online, Right. If you don't have something unique to say to a hundred people, why would you have a unique right. thing to say to ten thousand or ten million? No, and that's and that's, but the, but this day and age, internet gives everybody equal voice in a way, like you know. I, so I'm what's the differentiator? I mean, is is it time? Is it over time? People will just kind of sniff that out. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. Uh, you mean the differentiator that makes you have a voice that's... How do people know? I think it's credibility. How do people know when somebody's life-giving oh, or you gotta, death-taking you... or whatever? Well, first of all, I'm going to look around my closest circle. Hmm. I'm not going to go look online. I'm not going to go look for a digital version of that. I'm going to find the people closest to me and go, how am I doing? Hmm. Like, I've been pretty convicted that the last two years, we've had a pretty rough season with some different things. 
um, excuse me, that my friends got the back seat. Mm. And that's not okay. Mm. Like the circle got thrown off. Mm. Like yeah. work took place that, <clears throat> work took, it substituted its spot in where it should be in my mm. order. And um, my family didn't, my family was still in the right spot. Sure. Um, but I think it's my friends that really, and I'm trying to make that, I'm trying to recalibrate mm. that. and. Um, I'm convinced that healthy leaders, if they don't have healthy friendships, they won't be healthy leaders. Yep, that's right. Like, I have way too many guys I know, girls 100%. that I know that are seminary professors in their 70s who have no friends. It, I, I, unbelievable. It's crazy, and it's sad. It's very sad. How many leaders of influence who have tons of followers, too, yep. have, have no true friends? I find that the extremes really pull it out of us, right? Yep. When we're having a really hard day, if we've had to be strong for mm -hmm. everybody else, who can you call on a bad day? But also, when you're winning, right. like, you need a true friend to celebrate with you. That's right. They're not jealous of that. Yep. They're going, yes, because I've because I've prayed for that moment. Yep. Or I prayed for you in the midst of this. Or how are you stewarding that? Yep. Um, the extremes tend to bring it out. It does. I remember, I think one of the most consistent questions at a one-day event, every time when they would ask Craig or Andy questions was around friendships and relationships. And I remember Craig saying multiple times, I don't want to build something great and look around and have nobody to celebrate with. Ooh. And, um, and he lives that. He's got people yep. that are close to his life. Um, and again, there's a wiring piece. And so some people, they need one best friend. You know, sure. you and I are both extroverts. So sure. like we like to have a, like a stranger's just acquaintance we haven't met yet. Like, yep. like my wife doesn't think that way. Right. You know, mm -hmm. she needs four or five close, close friends. Yeah. Um, I like, I'm good with, I've got four or five close, close friends. Yep. But I'm, I've got 20 really probably close friends. Totally. You know. Concentric circles look different. Right. But I think... Anybody listening, it's a cop-out if right. it's like, oh, I don't need that. You're human. You do need it. We're wired for community. That's right. Um, it's a scary place when we find ourselves yeah. alone. Yeah. I've had seasons where I feel like, you know, similar to you, to go, man, I haven't invested there. And many times I think leaders get to that space and just right. don't get back on the horse. Right. Like what you're saying of like, oh, man. And, and there are seasons, right? Yeah. There are seasons of grief. There are seasons when you just have to be yeah. all in for six but or seven months. But most people we lose to ministry, most people we lose to business, it's because they've pushed everybody that ever can push back on them. Mm. They've literally alienated intentionally mm -hmm. or unintentionally for that matter. Well, but yeah, but I'm the boss, so I can't be close to that person. Or yeah, mm. well, I'm the whatever, so I, I've got to have my space. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Like, Right. If you don't have some people that can go, hey, dude, you're acting the fool right now. Yep. Get your crap together because yep. you're going to lose every ounce of influence you have. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, but I think even back to the original question, too, is credibility matters. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I know a lot of leadership books that were written by people that haven't led anything in a long time. Sure. Yep. That's like a personal trainer who's out of shape. <laughs> right. It's like a financial advisor who has terrible financial Yep. Controls in their own life. Yep. Like, and I'm not saying I'm good at any of those things. What I'm saying is if, if, if I should be someone to speak into your life, yep. hopefully the areas that I'm speaking into your life, I actually have credibility to do that yeah. because I've, yep. and, and that's not saying pay your dues, young leaders. There is a piece of that that's real. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like having life experience, you can't replicate. Yep. Like I can't teach you life experience. Yep. I can teach you principles and I can teach you proper things and I can yep. try to fight for truth. I remember I had a young leader one time in his early 20s who worked for me, and man, he got worked up. I mean, worked up about something. And there was nothing I could say in that moment that would go, that would subtract that his need, like this hill was worth dying on in his mind. Mm. But if he'd had any life experience, 
he would recognize this hill was not worth dying. You had perspective, and you go, dude, yep. you're going to be all right on Monday. Yep. And I remember sleep. saying to him, yeah. I wish I could give you life experience right now because mm. it, would, it would calm your heart. Which, it's interesting. We're having this conversation. You're sort of looking, you know, down 20, 30 years, right? right. I'm thinking about younger leaders. Then you're also looking up. You started right. this conversation by saying you're borrowing cred from Absolutely. somebody 30 years yep. older than you saying, give me what you got. Give me what you got. Yeah that you've got to fight for. Right. So that kind of sandwiching of, yep. man, I, if we're not pulling That's from I'm not, right. that, how are we going to give, right? And I'll never, I'll never be there. The process is what defines us, not the destination. It's like, yep. like so many leaders want to be at the destination with the 200 people on the team, with the 2,000 people in the congregation, with the whatever, but they're not doing the work to earn it. And, you know, there are leaders that have tried to buy platforms in the past so they could speak and write. Well, you don't do that. You earn yep. those. That's and right. so um, <clears throat> there, it's just, there, there's a lot of understanding that has to go around um, leadership and, and what that looks like. And at the end of the day, I want to listen to people that have done it. Yep. Not because they're going, this is how you do it, mm -hmm. but because they understand the pitfalls, they understand the fears, they understand the insecurities. Yep. I mean, you and I are both kind of stepping into new spaces. I wish I could say that insecurity wasn't rising. I wish I could say that fear wasn't rising. Um, and these last couple of years have taken a lot of that security out of my, like I'm, I wasn't really an insecure leader prior to these last couple of years. Yep. I don't say I was a cocky or arrogant leader. I just, mm -hmm. sure. I wasn't fearful. I was yep. like, let's do it. Let's yep. figure it out. And I found this is taking a toll on me. I used to actually think this is a marker. I shouldn't do it. And now this is a marker that I should do it. Yep. Is, is if that fear's <laughs> yeah. not there, right? It's not the stretch goal. It's not hard. It's a lot, I'm just gonna phone it in and do what I did last right. year and coast. And there are years that are, that are more stable. Right. I think there are times that are seasons that are more stretch, but um, this says both beat the life in and out of sure. me in this season. Sure. And um, I think a lot of old man is dying in yeah. me in this season. Yeah. And uh, man, thanks for your honesty. I honestly just feel like there's four or five people that have said, you guys gotta connect. Yeah. So you guys are hearing us just kind of connecting um, over this, um, didn't really have, you know, many uh, prep questions, thoughts. Like this is so good to just kind of chase this. Um, and for you guys listening, this is gold. Go back and listen um, because this is in the midst of it. I think it's easy to look back and say, 20 years ago, I made a right, big faith risk. Right. But we're literally in the midst of this. <laughs> we went on like the week after I went full time. Right. This day forth was, here's the joy. Here's what's hard. Sure. I'm learning the, the new things. And each week I get a little more confident in right, my call. Right. And at the same time, we're stretching a little bit more, right. or a lot more each week. Um, let's talk about tweaks or maybe some incremental gains that leaders listening, you say, man, I've taken a little bit too much. I yeah. want to become more of a life-giving right, 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 pipe, right. not a bucket, to right. use that analogy. What are some tweaks yeah. that any leader can make to become more of a life-giving Yeah, leader? so the whole concept is based on the idea of leading from your truest self. And uh, you gotta, you got to become okay with who you are. Mm. Like um, Psalm 139 is what the, the whole book's based off. It's just the idea that you are uniquely knit together for a unique purpose. I love how uh, the scripture talks about it because we all know that part of the verse. A few verses down, it talks about while he was looking at our story, while he's looking at the breadth of our life. So, so many leaders chase everybody else's uniqueness, but it's it's the leaders that have become proud of their uniqueness. Mm. They're, they, they become proud of God's unique gifting in their life. It doesn't mean we're not going to grow and get better, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. 
Mm -hmm. And the most life-giving leaders I've ever been around in my life were okay with who they are. Mm. Yep. And so that's the foundation. To, so, so the tweak for me is, is we got we to gotta get you into this initial conversation of who are you? Yep. And I love the fact that God talks about he knit us together while looking at our story. So, so many leaders disconnect their unique personality with their calling. And you're mm. going, that is wrong. Mm. Like to me, that is just, that's a terrible And a crash is coming. A crash point. because you're trying to be something you're not. And I'm working on a new book right now. And, and, and part of that is... Um, stepping into somebody else's space of leadership, inheriting influence, inheriting mm. somebody else's role or church or whatever. And I'm talking about in the first, one of the first chapters is that if you do that trying to be them, you're done. Yeah. But yeah. how many of us want to do that? Because it's kind of like, oh, well, they did it this way and they were great sure. at it. Sure. So you essentially have to start by disappointing. You, yeah. To I say, gotta... I'm going to change the expectation. Yeah, the first but, but their art, the art is how long does that take? Mm. How do you say it? How long do you wait? How do you honor the past without being crippled by the past? Like, there's a that's lot no, of that's no science, right? No, that's, there's a lot of work. layers to it, though. Like, mm. it's not just, hey, this is me. It's, it's new sheriff in town. Let's go. Put that me on the advance release copy list, man. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. That doesn't that. work. Yeah, I just need a copy. That's what <laughs> that's what I'm working towards right now. <laughs> that's um, a huge topic, man. But I think it matters. There's a lot of people. Very few of us start something. Most of us inherit influence or a platform or an yep. opportunity or or even just a team that already existed or a, yep. a, a job description that was there mm. before you or somebody who yep. did it good or bad like mm. I've got to figure out how to navigate a good or bad situation and um, but anyway my point is that if if you haven't studied emotional intelligence if you haven't gotten to that foundational piece which is self self-awareness if you haven't taken a simple Enneagram test or right path or Myers, you pick which one you want to use. There's a few that I'm sure you and I would probably lean towards mm -hmm. more than others. Yep. My point is learn yourself. Yep. And as young leaders, if you can really become confident in how you're uniquely wired, because the thing is, yes, you might learn some things to get better. Yes, you might learn how to be more organized, even though that's not a natural wiring. <laughs> but you're never gonna be great at it. And yep. to kid yourself into thinking, yep. I'm gonna be phenomenal at this. Well, you're, yep. it's gonna take, the best way I like to describe it is uh, my assistant, Kara, she's organized. She thinks admin, she thinks details. What takes her five minutes to do in an Excel document takes me four hours. Yep, and beats the life out of you in the meantime. And it literally, but could I learn how to be better at it? Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah. Is that the best use of my time? Now, here's the other side of that coin. So many of us use personality assessments and self-awareness as a double-edged sword that says, or a crutch, more An of a crutch. excuse, right? Absolutely, it's like, well, I'm not good at detail, so I'll never do that. Yep, that's right. I'm, I'm yep. gonna call you on that, because that's not the way we live. That's With, not leadership. Oh, it's, it's so good. We talk about, again, the extremes. Right. Uh, we have to hold an intention. Right. Um, to say, and neither do I think, like, you hung the moon because you could do this. Right. I go, oh, it's different. But also on the other side, I shouldn't think that I hung the moon either because right. I can do this. For whatever reason, God has graced me totally. with it. Now we've got to work on it. And then there's 97 other things that I suck at. Totally. And it's pretty clear. You don't even have to tell other people. Right. If they've been around you long enough, close enough, they know the stuff that, I mean, my kids know. Right. At a young age, they right. can pick up on, yep. mom's really good at this. Yep. Dad's, dad's, dad's not at this. <laughs> you use the word truest self and right. the uniqueness. Um, we say unique design. And yeah, I love good. that idea of design. We as Christians should be the ones talking about design more than anyone. Yep. Form and function. We have well, a designer. That and that fights against strengths and weaknesses. I don't love that terminology. I don't. Talk more about that. I love the idea that I am uniquely made. That's what I love. 
And so, and again, I've mentioned this assessment right path. That's just the one I've learned on for years. And, and I love it because it talks about how you process. Uh, because truthfully, we can learn behavior, but when stress hits, that's the first thing out the window. Yep. And so I want to know who's going to show up when stress hits. Who's, who's going to be, what are you mm. thinking? How do you process? And so um, the, there's one attribute on this stru structured versus unstructured. Well, I grew up believing that the world's highest value for great leaders is structured, get mm -hmm. it done, executed, high achieving mm -hmm. leaders. And honestly, I still think that's what gets applauded most of the time. Sure. Guess what? I'm not <laughs> any of those things. <laughs> and I was off the charts unstructured. And for years, uh, right path, they would only give. So they give three attributes in each of those big categories. Mm -hmm. And so, but they only had this kind of right side, which was um, for this one, it was structured. So it was precise, organized and achieving. So what it showed was that I was really low in those things, mm. but I didn't have a descriptor on the left side that would say what well, maybe I'm, what's the opposite yep, of that? Sure. What's the whatever? Sure. So they finally released that, which was 15 years ago. But the very opposite, what, what makes up unstructured isn't, isn't because what, what most of us think that are unstructured and what we, oops, I hit my microphone, sorry about that, is we're not, we can't get things done, whatever. No, the opposite was generalized, generalist, improviser and instinct sure adaptability can can take yeah. a bunch of these things and sort of put them together right and you want to know the very thing that made me the very best part of me for for leading catalyst for seven years was that very grouping the very thing that leaders in the past have told me made me a weak leader or this and that and the other that was the very thing god used to make me a great leader mm. is that there wasn't a situation live and when we were on site that's where I was alive. That's where I was at my best. And that's where I needed to be at my best. Sure. And so that's what I mean by that. Mm. So what seems like a weakness is actually a uniqueness mm. and can be a strength. Now, am I going to use the crutch of guys? I'm just not, I'm just going to, you know, sure. fly by the seat of my pants. No, not I got a group guy. of people yeah. when I was leading that team that needed me to have at least some sort of communication skill. Yep some sort of response time on email and text. Yep. Well, if I use it as a crutch, be like, oh, guys, sure. don't you know I'm really low in structure? Sure, yep. That doesn't work, yeah. I have a job to do. Well, I'm, I'm looking down at my journal and people yeah. are saying like, oh, great idea, a guy's releasing a journal. You know, what started you down the path? Because I needed a journal that worked for me. <laughs> right. Like I'm not smart enough to work, right. you know, Michael Hyatt's right. full focus planner. Um, you know, that, that's but not But you know me. what? That is his DNA, man. Oh, Are you it, kidding me? It's who he is. It it's flows who out he of who he is. is. But what that's is not that who I am. If I go write a, a, a book, probably you and I both, if we go write a book on organizational detail, nobody should read it. It goes back to credibility. That's not my strength. Yep, that's right. I can do it. I have to do some of it. But if you lead over a team, there's either somebody on the team that can do that, right. or you need to make space and bring somebody on right. the team. Volunteer paid. Um, I've heard all the excuses. I've given a lot of them yep. as to why either I can't do it or the team can't do it right. now. Um, we just have some new people coming on the Stay Forth team, uh, generally out of my extreme weaknesses right. and saying, right. we are going to hit a lid yeah. very soon because we're growing right. if we don't put the right people into place. So, man, I, the self-awareness piece, I mean, Augustine yep. know, says, know thy God, know thyself. Yep. And um, man, they work together. I yep. think it's hard to have God awareness if we don't have self-awareness. Yep in our lives. Um, again, we'll talk about this over lunch afterwards. We always <laughs> well, they're not going to be with us at lunch, you see. Sorry, guys. You, you don't get this. You, you guys get the appetizer. Um, not, not necessarily the best of, of this. Um, we'll have you back on, of course. Um, can't wait for your next book, by the way. 
Um, keep it up. I know it can beat the life out of you in the yeah. meantime, but it is so worth it. It's yeah. an investment. Chain yourself to the desk to, to get it done. Uh, we always want to go personal yeah. as well to talk about health. Because I've struggled with that. To, <laughs> to go personal? No, we, we've already gone personal. <laughs> know, Let's I'm go a layer kidding. deeper. Uh, we always want to ask about health. Yeah. Um, what are, get, get personal, get practical. Yeah. Um, could be physical health, emotional, relational, spiritual, doesn't yeah. matter. What are some practices you have in your life? Yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote a chapter in the book on life-giving leaders are healthy. And I actually talk about the fact that I didn't want to write that chapter. Hmm. Because when you write something in a book, not only does it live forever, but you, you're calling yourself to accountability. Talk about a high standard. And when you grow up in Atlanta, there's four things you have to do if you're a true Southerner that is from Atlanta. Sit in traffic, let me guess, sit in traffic? Nope. No, okay. That's just part, of, that's a side. Oh, you have side to benefit. shop okay. at Home Depot. <laughs> you have to drink Coca-Cola. You gotta eat at Chick-fil-A. And you gotta fly Delta. So like that's just, that's just part of what you do when you're a true Atlanta. And then you cheer for terrible sports teams. That's just, <laughs> uh, that's a fifth one. So growing up, uh, like you eat, I eat fried chicken at least once a day, if not multiple times a day. So diet, to say the least, was not. The and again, South that happens. is not known for great diet. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Um, it's like you can smell high cholesterol in the air. You know, it's just what it is. It is. So for me, diet, and I've always been active, but exercising for my, and again, it goes back to self-awareness. And if you understand emotional intelligence, you understand that motivation is a piece of emotional intelligence. Yep. Well, I'm not motivated to achieve just for my own sake. It's not who I am. Like I don't, I'm not driven to achieve. I'm driven for others to achieve. And so when I, when I recognize that if I could put eyeballs in my motivation, if I could put people, mm. my kids, my wife, my family, my friends, if they need me to be mm. healthy, that motivates me way more than me just going, I know I should be healthy. Yep. So I say that just to go like, I had to find the right motivation. And honestly, it is a daily fight because yep. do I want to eat unhealthy every day? Because I'd rather do that. Of course. But that's just part of it, right? There's Peace a lot resistance. of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things in life we'd rather do, but I'd rather not have to work. But I do <laughs> because yep. I have a family to take care of. Yep. Like irresponsibility isn't okay. Mm. Like, and so anyway, I've just, um, what I've learned about exercise, I've, I joined Orange Theory, which is, mm -hmm. you know, they're all over the country. They're even international. I did it for a few reasons. I don't do well as an extrovert going into LA fitness and figuring out what the heck I'm supposed to do today to get in better shape. And I definitely don't know how to go create a good full body workout every time I walk in. Mm -hmm. And I don't like doing it by myself. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't go. want to go to a gym where I've got to partner up with somebody I don't know. Like, but sure. with Orange Theory, I'm doing it with another group of people. I have a coach who's literally telling us what to do. And it is, it's an intense full body workout for 50 minutes. And then I leave. In and out, feel good. And I can do it in all my traveling. I can find an, an Orange Theory, you know, there. That's something I've had, that's, that goes back to understanding myself, I'm putting myself in a position to succeed, and it's expensive as crap. Yeah. So I feel the like stewardship of sure. it. Sure. Do I you feel like that's like a keystone habit? Like that sets off other dominoes? For sure, and okay. when I'm not doing that, it, it, for me, diet and exercise go hand in hand. Like I really don't care about diet if I don't care about exercise right yep. now. And it's, then you stack that good decision. If you've yes. worked out, yes. you're probably going to go for the smoothie. Yeah. You're probably yeah. going you to You feel like I well. should do better. Yep. It's, it, there's a psychological game that's being played. Mm. Um, and I also feel like if, I, if I'm eating better, 
I really need to be using, like taking advantage of that discipline yep. to go exercise. So that's a big piece. Um, I also think healthy requires boundaries. Um, so healthy when it comes to relationships, like are there relationships that are on the edge of unhealthy, whether it's with the opposite sex, whether it's like that you're feeling like there's a temptation or a, str a struggle, boundaries are really important. Put them in before they ever get there. Uh, boundaries with family. Like we put boundaries in our marriage early on about holidays and different things of going, we will not let the extended family dictate what we are, what we feel like is best for our family. Mm. That's a boundary to try to create healthy, and it actually, what feels negative creates a healthy understanding. So for the last three of the last four years, we've taken just the four of us have gone to Disney World over Thanksgiving. Is it the busiest time of year? Yes. Should I recommend it? No. <laughs> the lines are ridiculous. We don't go for that. Yep. We go because we just love being there. Mm. And we love being there with just us and celebrating a holiday like that. Well, nobody on either side of our family questions it because we put boundaries in place. Yep. But if every year we're having to fight this fight um, and go, no, well, now feelings are hurt again. But we set a boundary that mm. caused a little bit of tension at first. Yep. But when they understood the resolve we had in it as a family going, this is an option for us. Yep. Like take it or leave it, but we're doing this because we believe this is best for the, the four of us. Now, if it was me going, hey, it's best for just me, the three of you guys still go to mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, that's a different conversation. Sure. Um, so I, there's a few things for me that just, um, I know for me, if I'm not having a personal quiet time consistently, that's, that's an unhealthy habit. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of blind spots that can come up and a lot of holes in my soul and my spirit. Yep. And, um, my feelings start overtaking truth, and mm. I just don't think I'm leading at a high capacity. So there are, there are dominoes that affect them all. Mm. And I have a habit of, um, especially in these hard seasons where I'm struggling with insecurities or whatever, with lies that are getting seats at the table. You're taking new risks, you're gonna face new challenges, yep. period. I, um, I want what's true to be coming into my, my mind and my heart versus whatever. And so I, I for the last probably three years, I won't listen to anything before lunchtime except worship music mm. because I want my day to be ingrained with truth and not just whatever. And that's nothing against everything other kind of music. Mm -hmm. For me, yep. for my walk, yep. for my faith, I don't want feelings to start taking over. I, and in the sense of, I feel like God's not doing whatever. Well, I know that's not true. That's right. I want what's true to be coming yeah. into my heart and my soul. Uh, I love so worship's a big piece of that. What's cool in this piece, we always ask this question last, yeah. is that it's different answers. Mm -hmm. None of these are prescriptive, saying to have a healthy family, you all of you over Thanksgiving. Blank. Right. Um, all Most of time we talk about families, blankety blank blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit different blankety blank. Right. But it's, uh, it's been so helpful to hear, this is something for you, but we have noticed the trend, especially of our male guests, to yeah. say, there's something about the physical health that triggers the other things, especially yep. if we haven't paid attention to it for a right, while. Right. Um, we're not getting any younger. And so every year it's, it's more of a struggle. Right. Um, it's more time that we feel like we don't have. Yeah. Uh, but I found that to be true as well. We've had a couple guests that have said, that's my keystone. Yeah. I can't even get focused time with the Lord until I do that. this stress, this adrenaline is coming out of my body. And so these are not things that I thought I would yeah. be struggling to yeah. exercise or, or eat healthy yeah. at the same And let's age, be but. real clear. When we go to Chick-fil-A after this, I'm going to have a number one with no pickles okay. and a sweet tea and fries. Now, is that the best meal for this? Yes. 
So we'll just leave it. All right. There you go. So with that said, now that you're hungry, you're not going to catch part two of this where we're going to eat some Chick-fil-A. Um, Tyler, won't be the last time. Thanks for jumping on podcast. Thanks for having me. So long.